0: Kissing Without Lips. This is our podcast devoted to all things K-drama, C-drama, T-drama, J-drama, just basically all the dramas. I'm Kelly. I'm Dex. And
1: this week we're talking about what? We are talking about Goblin or Guardian. For some reason, some call it Goblin and some call it Guardian. Not sure why exactly.
0: Goblin for the completely uninitiated, and hopefully everybody's watched it, is is in the legion of the greatest K-dramas of all time. Is that a fact? Pretty much. And in today's episode, you're going to find out exactly why. So, (laughs) it was broadcast between December the 2nd, 2016 and January the 21st, 2017, and its original network was TVN in South Korea. The duration of each episode, as usual, is one hour, 22 minutes, and it was produced in South Korea with 16 episodes. You can still watch it on some of your um, video on-demand platforms, for sure. Uh, not not Netflix in my country, unfortunately they've taken it off. Ooh.
1: Netflix in my country still have it. Yes. So a recap,
0: I'm in Switzerland and Dex is in Singapore. So yeah. we are talking to each other six hours apart. Tell us a little bit about why. Uh, why should we be interested in Goblin?
1: Well, I mean... There is this, there is the epic bromance going on in this one. The main story itself is pretty cool and everything, but I mean, the the really big selling point is the, the bromance between the lead and the second lead male. Well, I'm not sure if you should call him a second lead because he's not actually competing like most second leads. Now I'm going to... Just go off on a rant, so maybe stick to the yeah. It's an epic romance, and that's why we have called it. Um, oh God, what did we call this episode? <laughs> we called it a uh, undying romance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so the two words, one name, is literally Gong Yu. Because for the uninitiated, who are just coming to Korean dramas for the first time, Gong Yoo is like the Michael Corleone of Korean drama. You would know him in the West as being the guy from Train to Busan. He he literally gave us the world of K-zombies. And since then, a whole world of K zombie movies have been built off the back of that, but Gong Yu is like a household name in Korea. He's like like a really big deal. Um, we'll talk about Gong Yu in some other episodes that will crop up throughout the course of this season. But um, with Gong Yu, who is he's attractive, right? He's not really my cup of tea exactly, unless he's got his shirt off. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there, but I swear to God, the first time—and it was—and you were with me during this this journey, Dex. The first time that I saw Lee Dong Uk, my ovaries literally burst at the incredible beauty of this man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I, almost feel cruel. I didn't know anything about him before watching Goblin, uh, but I did know Gong Yu uh, from uh, yeah, my first ever uh, K-drama was Coffee Prince, so that's where I've seen him before. Also something that we will we'll pick up later in the season. But um, it also stars we should mention the girls as well Jesus
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kim, Kim Go-Yeon and you In-Na um, I'll talk about some fun facts about those a little bit later on the screenwriter was Kim In suk and Lee Young-Bok was the director they also worked together on Descendants of the Sun and Mr. Sunshine if you're bit of a k-drama aficionado we are also go and check out our my drama list accounts because we are legit y'all um but give us a little bit of a much we watch way too much (laughs) um give us a little bit of an
1: overview then of the story uh so yeah um the lead male gong yu in this one he plays the role of the Goblin, or as he's known, when the first in the beginning of the the drama, as Kim Chin. and uh, he is this unbeatable uh, general in Goryeo's um, military. So it's like super uh, way back, um, and he dies this really tragic death after being betrayed by his own king. Uh, this is not a spoiler, so don't be worried. Uh, it's all in the first episode, so you're not gonna be uh, sort of miss it. Uh, anyway, after being killed, he gets possessed with immortality and he lives for nine hundred years um uh, just doing his thing, uh, messing with people and uh, making money, really and he's searching for this bride who is who uh, will be able to see the sword that he once was stabbed with that is still showing in his chest but only his bride can see it and she is the only one who should be able to pull it out and uh, sees his existence pretty much and that's what he wants because he's pretty tired of everyone around him just keeps dying and sort of feel pointless about his life now and this is
0: probably why we called this episode the undying bromance because the the only person who he can identify with who is also an immortal is his the, the, the kind of i guess he starts off as being his nemesis and he absolutely hates him yeah, and then, and then becomes his busy mate and they become like closer than close and he is also an immortal um, we're not. We're not going to sort of give you too many spoilers until maybe later on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this first episode, deck for me anyway, I, I was pretty early on into K dramas when I watched this, and so the the thing that it taught me was was about initially like an overview of the old world that was Korea before it became Korea. Obviously, it's gone through like a million iterations from being a kingdom to being becoming a republic and then separating from the north, which we talked about in Crash Landing on You. And, and what we're seeing here is like this military general who is really well respected throughout the land. And can we also just uh, say, he's goddamn hot with long hair. Yes. and all that leather, I mean, it, it must have been the easiest task in the world to make this dude look like a sex god.
1: Yeah, I mean, they should have just kept him looking like that through the whole <laughs> drama.
0: <laughs> now, in this episode, I'm going to be the one that's going to be sniping with the sex comments. Um, Dex is a passionate stan of Goblin. And so she's gonna be bringing all of the factoids and uh, all of that jazz. I'm just gonna be sniping in the background about hot men, greased up and oiled, generally looking hot. So the first episode establishes, as it always does in every Korean drama, we get one hour, 22 minutes of understanding, you know, why this now? Because the Korean script writers are incredible at establishing stories in the first episode god knows they've got an hour and 22 minutes to do it but even so
1: (laughs) they do it very well so they just do a movie to sort of like get you summed up for the rest and so what what do we see in that first episode uh well in the first episode we get to sort of experience a very sort of brief moment of seeing how Kim Chin was this great general and the people loved him but the king felt threatened by him and that's the main problem uh, and also the king has a kind of evil plotting sidekick or advisor I would say maybe uh, not sidekick but he's he's the worst person i hated him from the first episode every time i watch this and he convinces the king that uh, the general kim chin is actually a threat to him so in really i mean it's probably like the first 10 minutes or something kim chin is being betrayed by the king uh, so After that, it's a very strong scene uh, when he meets the king. So I don't want to go into any details there because I think people should actually sort of like experience that one for themselves.
0: South Asia, we do get this like experience where we get the whole story up front. And we mm. never get that in Western dramas. We always get things in piecemeal. And, you know, there is always this like huge cliffhanger. Well, there is also huge cliffhangers in Korean dramas, but at least they established the stories really, really well in the episodes. And yeah, you know, this first episode particularly is, is pretty great because it gives us a lot of pointers to things that we have to look for. It's called foreshadowing. And so we've established now that, that there's this military general. We have to talk about uh, Kim Go-Yoon's character. Um, she is called Yoon Tak and she is an unfortunate and an innocent, you know? She is um, really, the, the scene that's established for her is one of that we should take pity on her, we should feel bad for her. Her life begins in astonishing circumstances that I think even I sort of thought was, I hadn't seen anything that astonishing probably since Twilight. <laughs>
1: I have not watched Twilight, so I can't uh, comment on that part.
0: You're not missing much. Um, (laughs) um, What happened was, she was born
1: in winter. She was in her mom's uh, belly um, and her mom was run into by a car uh, on this parking lot Mm. and pretty much should have died. But for some reason, the goblin who had now lived for 900 years, he passed away and lived for his 900 years and suddenly heard her uh, crying for help uh, on this uh, parking lot uh, and decides to save her. Wasn't he just like sitting on yeah. top of a building and minding his own business? He was sitting on a building drinking beer and I, he heard her. And I mean, I, I never thought that he would do anything about it because he didn't look like it. He looked kind of bored in a way. But for some reason he decides to jump down the building or swoosh, teleport. I'm not sure how goblins do it. But he gets down and he comes up to her and he realized that she is pregnant. And for some reason, he decides to save her and her uh, unborn child. So that's how pretty much uh, our female lead cheated death before she was even born.
0: But then we see her more grown up in this episode and we flash back a few times to her being little and the people that she meets because she's forced to live with her aunt and cousins and they are just literally the most awful people on earth and she lives
1: in this kind of... I don't know, this slummy neighborhood, for want of a better term. It's pretty much like a modern-day Cinderella kind Mm. of setting for her. Mm. But around her, as in any South Korean
0: community that we see in uh, Korean drama, there are people around, especially elders, and there's one particular old granny.
1: Yeah. And she takes pity on her. Her mom uh, knew the old lady, right? And uh, when the mom gets into another accident and actually dies, uh, yeah, the old lady sort of like watches over her a little bit.
0: You mentioning the Cinderella story, it definitely is. I try not to think about, I try not to westernize like dramas too much because if I do, I just will pick holes in both sides um
1: well actually they are referencing uh, cinderella in the drama later mm, on yeah. themselves so i was just gonna say that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um
0: so we we see her so we're introduced to her and we start to understand her relationship and then we first meet the grim reaper as well <laughs> Yeah, and, and yeah, as I said, my ovaries exploded. But when they went back into my body, <laughs> I start to explore his character a little bit more. I would like to have explored a lot more of him, to be honest. But I'll just go with the what is written here.
1: I was mostly just confused about his clothes in the first scene he's in. <laughs> but I mean,
0: come on, this is like Lee Dong Uk, right? And he is already a supermodel in Korea. Yeah. They're going to deck him That's out in the hottest clothes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think he's wearing like Armani Privé or he's wearing some kind of, you know, Prorsum brand. It's like really haute couture. Like he's literally just stepped off the catwalk. Either that or, as my husband said when he watched it, this guy's got no idea about dress Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes that's pretty much what i thought when i saw him because he has a very now i'm going off in a different uh, sort of like discussion but he has a very different uh clothes style when he's in duty <laughs> in his role and when he's sort of like chilling at home yeah. but both are very fashionable but first time i saw him with the sort of black hat and the black leather coat and the black shoes that have I think they're like there's kind of retro with like almost I don't know what it's called in English. Um, the metal spike thingies that sort of punk
0: people have. They're really fashionable in in Dürer, which tells you everything you need to know about fashion.
1: Well, I, I'm not good with fashion. Yeah, so. neither are they. Neither are the people in Zurich. Yeah. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have
0: I've sort of ranted enough about his clothes now. So, and so in a, in a kind of accidental i don't know this would be like a billy wilder style meet cute if you don't know who billy wilder is he's the guy that directed all of those like 1950 cute little audrey hepburn and Cary grant movies you know where they bump into each other on a train or something and then they fall in love with each other later that's called a meet cute so somehow the reaper and goblin bump into each other and through like a a kind of circumstances of misfortune on both sides they end up living together yeah the,
1: the, the reaper <laughs> moves in with him the the goblin has sort of like um i would almost call them servant but more like assistants i guess um so they're they sort of like go through generations because since he's 900 years uh it's sort of like whoever is the son takes over the duty of being the assistant And right now, it's this very spoiled brat um, who is about to take over the responsibility as his assistant. And he thinks that it's a great idea to rent out the Goblin's house. And he rents it out to the Grim Reaper pretty much without knowing that it's a Grim Reaper. And that's how they end up in the same house. And,
0: and that's, I think, what is the great basis. I was reading up on uh, this episode before, and, and obviously I've watched this episode as well. One of the things you can't get away from is these two might be like 900 years old each. Yeah. They act like kids in school. They're just so bitchy to each other. Proving, once again, my theory that men are way bitchier than women. That yeah. is all. <laughs> Um, so we've established the reaper but what we haven't established probably is this this like thing about the reaper there is something very vulnerable about him and very sort of he's quite sensitive and touchy he's very nervous and it might be that he's just a reaper and you know that is a reason maybe why he's a little bit more antisocial perhaps say goblin. We also need to establish that this mansion house that they live in is oh, actually yeah. is actually the the sort of blue house, isn't it? Of uh, Korea, really. It's like the modern palace um, it, that he lives yeah. in. He just happens to in. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Uh,
1: I think one thing to mention when it comes to the Reaper is that to become a Reaper uh, within this drama, at least I'm not sure if it's it's actually like Korean mythology but in this one uh, to become a reaper you have to have committed some kind of giant sin Mm. and also you will not remember your past Mm -hmm. Uh, you only know that you're sort of punished to be a reaper and I think that also sort of sets his mind uh, space a little bit that he knows that, that he has done something but he can't remember anything from his past.
0: One day he walks home from his day job of being a reaper, or he's walking somewhere, and he walks across the bridge and sees the grandma, and he sees that she is selling just crap on her table, and he sees a really gorgeous ring, um, and somebody else spots that ring as well at the same time. Yeah. And they have this moment together, and this is you and Na, the introduction of you and Na. And now um, Lee Dong-uk and Yuin Na have got a history of appearing in dramas together. Yeah. Largely due to the fact that they are both absolutely beautiful people.
1: And also, probably, especially after this one, because their chemistry is just money isn't is it? Yeah. 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 It steals the show a little bit.
0: It really does steal the show. And I think that's kind of good because. The thing about Goblin that's really great from this first episode is that it's a real slow burner. Mm. So you have to pay attention because while shit's happening in the background, you know, stuff is is kind of growing, snowballing if you like. And just on that sort of subject, we 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 have this moment, don't we, in the first episode where Goblin and Yuntak meet each other for the first time.
1: Yes, the first time they actually, well they don't really meet, they see each other for the first time Uh, and just walk past each other in on a rainy sort of street and he's wearing an umbrella and she's sort of has her hood up um, being like this high schooler that doesn't have an umbrella for some reason and their eyes meet and yeah that's all that's happening but there is a lot of like sort of the music and the the setting just makes that scene amazing
0: i would love to say that i have experienced love at first sight because i think it would be amazing to do it in korea but it seems to happen to people every single hour of every single day in south korea (laughs) true or false
1: yep (laughs) it's madness the meeting is actually when she has her birthday and she's sitting on this pier by the ocean Which I have no clue how that's sold But anyway, <laughs> she's sitting on this pier and with a cake uh, And she's um, about to blow out the candle Which she usually don't do because um, she has a bad experience after her mom dying with it but she she's desperate and she's just unhappy with her living situation with her aunt and her cousins and she thinks life sucks pretty much, like most teenagers I would say. Uh, but anyway, she blows out the candle and suddenly the goblin stands behind her and he doesn't know how he showed up there and she doesn't know why he showed up there. Um, so it's a kind of confusing thing and he stands there with a, a sort of bouquet of flowers. Very random. But it's not any flowers, it's um Oh, what's that? It's the Buckwheat. Um, buckwheat, yes. Buckwheat flowers.
0: They have such a symbolic um, representation in this part of the world, because they, in the same way that I guess in the West, we have things like roses mean this, fuchsia means that. Mm. You know, these flowers have meanings and buckwheat has a, a, a deep meaning I think its meaning is something about uh, everlasting love or something you put buckwheat into your uh, bridal bouquet um, oh. when you get married mm. I'd awesome. even known that. It. Mm. so it's a very sort of powerful flower really and mm. there he is on the shore She is miles away from Seoul. She's sad because it's her birthday. And yeah, we get this kind of first real connection between these two people. Mm. It's important to note as well that because we haven't talked about it. Yuntak is is uh, beautifully played by Kim Goen, but she's Mm. supposed to be a teenager. So she's supposed to be at school. I think, Dex, you already mentioned it.
1: Yeah, she's a high schooler.
0: But Gong Yu's character of the Goblin is not. He's a man in his 30s. And so is Lee Dong-Uk as well. I mean, they're both like men, men, grown-ups that ordinarily would have like a wife and kids if they weren't immortal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm guessing uh, the Goblin is more like the late 30s. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she is like 18, I think. That's so harsh, yeah. I won't tell Gong Yu what to do about that. (laughs) <laughs> He's trying to preserve his youth. I think that age difference in the beginning is pretty much what most people that watch it is having maybe a slight problem with. But, um...
0: Everybody gets really upset about it actually and it is very very controversial. It's very controversial in every country except for Korea.
1: <laughs> Which is it, fun because it's probably controversial if it was real life but not in a drama. No. And for the record, I mean, it is over 900 years difference, if it's in the drama, so... The the kind of cliffhanger of that first episode is what, next? That one is actually when, uh, a little bit later, or actually after she blew out the candle on her birthday, she's trying to figure out how she can make him appear again, because she's kind of interested. It's kind of uh, a thing, or a fun thing for her. So she figures out that when she blows out a candle of some kind, he will um, automatically show up and he can't do anything about it, pretty much. Um, And one time when she do that, she's in the library. And she then says that, hey, something that I know since I was a kid is that I see ghosts and I can speak to ghosts. And the ghost tells me that I'm the goblin's bride. Uh, at this point, I don't think she. Oh yeah, she knows that he... she has figured out that he's a goblin, right? I think she has because otherwise she wouldn't say she's the goblin bride. She says she's the goblin bride, and shows her a weird-looking uh, like um, birthmark. Yeah, and he's like, no, 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 no. Um, I don't believe you. And then he sort of like walks out through a door and she follows him through the door and (laughs) what they didn't or what she didn't know is that she suddenly ended up in Canada because he had some business to do in Canada and Goblin Magic took him there and for some reason she managed to actually go through the same door and get to the same place which is uh, not really something that happens to him often at all. So it's pretty much ending with them being in Canada and she has realized that she swooped through halfway across the world by going through a door and she totally thinks now that she's going to marry the goblin because that's awesome. She can escape her reality this way pretty much. He
0: realizes then I I think at that moment as the, the just before the sort of free stream credits happen hmm. that um the beginning of the end of his life has just started and so if you've lived for 900 years and then you realize that there's a chance that you don't have to live for another 900 years it fills you both with trepidation and uh excitement
1: yeah but he's still kind of um reluctant to the idea because he asks if she can see anything on him because he knows that she has if she is the bride she has to pull out the sword uh and in order for her to see her pull out the sword she actually has to see it and she doesn't say that she sees the sword he doesn't sort of like do you see the sword it's more like do you see anything on me and she's like no you're you're tall (laughs) uh so he's still skeptic but after the door incident uh, he sort of start being suspicious i guess
0: um, so with that as the first episode all of the foundations are laid down now from episodes two all the way to the end of episode 16 every week what we discover outside of the other character story arcs is that there's basically a procedural that's playing out. So each episode, Grim Reaper helps somebody to their death hmm. in heaven or in hell or whatever. They they go through a door. He doesn't know what's on the other side. They don't know what's on the other side. They have to drink a cup of like lovely tea in his office so that they can they can uh, cleanse their memories. Um, and then they've got a seven year like walk across limbo, isn't it? Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know super much about it. Uh, I watch too many dramas and they say different things. So who knows? But, but mostly,
0: when you're going to the afterlife, you have to erase your memories.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you drink the tea. And also, he has this uh, amazing tea house, by the way, or tea tea place oh, where he serves. Is. It's the incredible. Tea. Yeah. Yeah. And he has this tea coaster that is very interesting. It's sort of like just a piece of wood with some nail on it. And then he places a teacup on the nails. And I totally think that has some kind of symbolism. But I haven't been able to sort of figure out what the heck it means. I even counted how many nails there are in it. But I can't see a connection with the number either. So if someone knows, I totally want to understand if there is some kind of symbolism for that stupid coaster (laughs) if I'm just obsessing over nothing
0: it wouldn't be the first time
1: no definitely not
0: (laughs) so episode two kicks off and Yun Tak gets a job at Sunny's place so now we establish a relationship in the story art between Yun Tak and uh, Sunny not Sunny and she (laughs) she is uh, just beautiful but she is a bit vapid As in, there's Mm -hmm. something definitely missing from her life. She's waiting for something. And she doesn't know what. And she doesn't know what, yeah. So this makes her like a really unsuccessful (laughs) um, barbecue Korean chicken (laughs) owner, which is unusual in Korea because chicken-
1: Everyone eats chicken. They go
0: together like bacon and eggs. It seems like quite odd that no one is ever in that, that fast food restaurant and she sits there eating what looks like wasabi
1: nuts or, or whatever all day, doesn't she? Yeah. And she's just incredibly lost. But it's so interesting that she has absolutely no customers, she complains about not having any customers and she sits there and do nothing and she still hires a part-timer. <laughs>
0: Because reasons. That's what happens in <laughs> <to play> dramas. <laughs> they don't have rules. Rules are for fools. So that's that's the relationship of Sonny and Young tak that starts to sort of grow. Um, she also goes to the local bookstore, does Young Tak And this bookstore is real cute. There are some absolutely beautiful filming locations in this drama. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. And she goes in and has a look at children's books and... Or that, that kind of good stuff to try and research a bit more about goblins
1: yeah she says she's checking out his his facebook that's what she's sort of like trying to explain to some kid why she's reading a children's book in the bookshop i thought that was kind of funny and goblin we discover can do so much mm. yeah i mean when he is what is it when he's sad it rains when he's happy flower starts to bloom even though it doesn't matter what time of the year it is these kind of things just happen for him so it's it's interesting how he affects the weather Uh, and we know this because uh, in the second episode he's really mad for some reason (laughs) and he's sitting inside his house and he's making thunderclouds inside the house it's not on purpose it's just happening do uh, lots of things uh,
0: in that house can't they they can ice up a can of beer and yeah they can heat up sort of anything as well they're just so powerful these two guys like living together mm-hmm. it's literally like a GQ magazine but with magic pretty much I like to think um or actually more importantly it's mental health with magic <laughs> Because in my head, they're all naked. Mm. We get to see the relationship between Young Tak and her aunt. And now Young Tak's older, of course, and she's coming up to kind of the last few stages of her high school yeah. before she goes off to university. So we see that, like, basically her aunt and her cousins are just greedy, good for nothing layabouts that are, you know kind of grifters and just generally frauds and this really sort of makes you think just run away girl just get away just get out of there just go away Mm. and you know i think it's in this episode particularly that she starts to see that she could probably survive better without them
1: yeah uh and also the aunt and her cousins they want to um get the money that she got from the insurance when her mom died Um, but she doesn't know where it is and the book, the bank book for it keeps disappearing and no one knows why Uh, but the aunt owns a lot of money to uh, some loan sharks so she's pretty desperate about finding the money uh, and do anything to sort of like (laughs) force Unter to uh yeah reveal where she thinks uh Untak has hidden the money but it goes horrible doesn't it
0: because the lame sharks coming yeah. after
1: Untac. yeah pretty much the aunt sends her uh, sends them after her and uh she gets kidnapped or pulled into a car and yeah they're driving to sort of like in the middle of nowhere uh, uh, well it's very dark at least uh because it's at the night, of course. And then suddenly, while they are driving and they're trying to force her to talk about uh, where she hit the money, suddenly, oh yeah, one of them is trying to light the lighter and she tries to blow out the light to get the goblin to come and help her, uh, but she fails and she's really scared. And suddenly we see like this flash from her uh, birthmark. And after that, uh, the lights, um, the streetlights on the road that they're driving on just starts going out and they stop the car because none kind of like weirded out that all the lights are going out and then they start driving the car really fast and guess what's happening then the best one of the best scene or one of the most memorable scenes i would say in this drama right or kind of in any drama really i would say it's pretty special <laughs> yeah So, for some reason, it's not just the Goblin showing up at this point, but the Goblin and the Reaper, because, I don't know, Reaper didn't have anything better to do, right? It's kind of weird, because at this point, they aren't that good friends. So, it's kind of interesting why he shows up, but, yeah, they show up in a very, um, I don't know, dramatic and fashion (laughs) show-like thing, and... The goblin splits the car that uh, they're driving in into, and saves Yuntak uh, that way. It's it's way more epic than I can ever explain, so I'm just gonna leave it to that, and then sort of like <laughs> <laughs> let people watch it themselves. I feel I'm kind of butchering that scene though when I'm trying to explain it. No,
0: but I it's mean, so it amazing has to be seen, to be believed. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I don't think anybody can give it any sort of credit by just talking about sort of (laughs) the blow by blow account. You just, you feel it with every inch of your your being when you watch this, you see it. It's like he sees that there is something happening to somebody who he is intrigued by, but obviously there is this immortal pull towards her Mm. and he just dives in to save her. And you just sort of think, if you're sitting there as I do every time I watch K-dramas with your sort of K-drama hat on you just think that that sort of macho masculine moment of saving the damsel in distress is what is expected of a K-drama. Yeah. Um, you've got to leave your kind of your your cultural leanings aside and appreciate the fact that in K-dramas men save women. That's just how it yeah. is and it's great so that's two episodes like down now we start to see slowly from episode three the growth of this romance but you know I will give um, Goblin a little bit of critique because it's a slow burner sometimes it's really slow The procedural part of it aside where you know somebody is dying or somebody dies they don't know that they're dying or that they're dead the grim reaper comes basically and picks them up from wherever they are whether it's from a car accident or or whether it is uh, a an old lady who has been waiting for her uh, her husband to join her since the korean war you know these types of things are just these things they they happen the relationship between the two male leads um, and also the young Dok is your typical, he does announce himself as a fourth generation chable. I mean, he literally sort of says, I'm a rich kid. And yep. so it's not okay that I've got to share my life with you two as well, uncles. And also I don't want to do anything for my job, which is protecting and serving you. I just want my credit cards. So he bargains with them all the way through the series. He bargains with uh, Kim Shin all the way through the series and just basically says, you know, when you die, do I get a credit card? When you die, will I get a car? You know, when this happens, do I get this? Um, And the the old grandfather, who's the original server of uh, Kim Shin in, in this generation, you know, has to keep sort of stepping in and sort of saying, hey please forgive him he, he's a dick basically he's a young boy and yeah he, he doesn't know what he's doing but one day it will become important to him why he has to serve you so there's this whole like story arc that's going through these episodes and though it is quite slow we do see like a really good establishment of these these characters as believable you could believe that that they live next door um, yeah I write books about this shit all the time, where something supernatural or otherworldly happens, and I completely, 100% buy into the bromance of Gong Yu and Lee Dong-hook. And in fact, you know, I'm not going to sort of preempt a fab fact, but in real life, these two are very close anyway. They're really close friends, IRL. And the chemistry between these two really sort of comes off. Oh yeah, definitely. So through the the series, we get the establishment of of these two, but we keep getting these flashbacks to not only like Kim Shin's time uh, uh, as being a, a military general, we also get to learn a little bit more about the Grim Reaper's memories that he doesn't have. And yeah. we get to learn a little bit more about um, Sonny's character, and
1: yeah, it's pretty much all starting with Sonny. Mm. It's she is kind of triggering the sort of remembrance a little bit of that uh, sort of old uh, time when uh, the general got killed by the king. She is, uh, she is, I think the first time they actually they remember something and it's not just something we see is when, oh, let's think, is it?
0: Oh, it's the ring, we,
1: isn't it? The ring actually makes them... Do they know about the ring or do we just see about the ring? We just see about the ring. They yeah, don't I know think about it, yeah. Because I think uh, they don't actually know about it when the goblin goes to visit Sunny or the, the chicken shop because he's looking for Yuntak. But that's episode nine, so it's it's kind of far in before Mm -hmm. that it's mostly just sort of like (laughs) yeah they're, they're sort of like obsessing over their daily lives and there's this romance going on and we get to see like you said the reaper doing his thing and helping people to the afterlife and also we get to see yuntak who can speak to ghosts so there is always like these small side things where she's helping some ghost, or even the goblin when he's sort of like playing tricks on some humans uh, so there's there's a lot of small things going on, but the main story is very slow.
0: And uh, I think because of that, we do need those other little things to happen. I mean, let's not forget Yuntak. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't watch the whole thing
1: because it would be too slow.
0: Yuntak starts off with all these ghosts around her and then slowly as you go through the series, they disappear because Mm. she has she has solved their reason for hanging around in limbo, basically hanging around her. Now that's sometimes something as really sort of tenuous as paying back some money or giving somebody some money for something. Or it might be something more serious as finding out who killed someone's husband or child or whatever. Anyway, whatever it is, it's really a lovely ensemble cast, I think. I, I think we have to also mention that one of the big characters in this series is Canada because we flip between Korea and Canada in a way that we saw in Crash Landing on You between Seoul and Switzerland. Uh, Mm. We we see this sort of uh, big character in the shape of uh, Quebec. And she suddenly starts to Feel and get probably the life of Riley. She gets treated really well, she can go and stay in the penthouse in this massive hotel in the middle of Quebec because Goblin owns it.
1: Uh, but I do think um, if we go back to Yuntak, I think, yeah, she has been only once or twice to Quebec with the Reaper, I think, before she actually admits that she can see his sword. And that sort of like kicks off their relationship even more, I would say. Mm-hmm. And they end up going back and forward a lot more. But it, yeah, you compared it with like crash landing. This is way more easier, though, to travel since they just have to walk through a door and don't have to sort of crawl through some tunnel like <laughs> you had <bind> been <laughs>
0: One of the things that we like in K-dramas is when people get drunk. Yeah. It's is silly.
1: Well, they always do. In every drama, right? Every drama.
0: And yeah. this one's no different because, you know, Goblin gets drunk and he <laughs> sort of uses drink as a, as a bit of a device. He uses it to forget about everything. Or he uses it to allow himself to manipulate sort of other things like magic. So for example, in episode four, he makes all of the flowers bloom in the middle of autumn, simply by virtue of him being drunk.
1: Well, him being drunk and uh, him realizing that, yes, he actually uh, loves the little high schooler. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much the whole sort of like, the love part is making the flowers bloom. Yeah, but he can't really control it since he's
0: drunk. Yeah, he's quite sweet in this though. I yeah. mean, con- controversy aside, I just think, and and he probably doesn't want to be known for for this or Coffee Prince. Probably, he maybe likes to be more, more well known for Train to Busan. But <laughs> he is bloody great in this drama. <laughs> Gong you. Yeah,
1: which is, I mean, is also a, a modern... actor. Now when he has been drunk and he kind of realized that he really likes her, and um, she's like super happy about things, she's actually, uh, first she's moving into a hotel, right, that he is paying for. And then she's um, actually moving in with uh, the Reaper and Goblin in the house, and that's I think that's the the sort of like interaction between Untak and um the Reaper when they're living together. I love that sort of interaction between those two. Thinks
0: about her all the time. It's really lovely. Mm-hmm. Now um what about the sort of the grandma character? Because she starts to, to kind of pop up a little bit more regularly throughout uh, but but wait a minute, she isn't a grandma anymore. She's exactly just completely... <laughs> Gorgeous, as we know her as, Mrs. Ma, <laughs> and she's this like gorgeous woman in red with these beautiful lips and yeah. just absolutely,
1: insanely incredible. Um, she's a god. Yeah, none of the characters actually know that the old lady and the hot uh, woman in the red dress is the same person, but yeah. she is uh, a god. She's, she's everywhere. She keeps telling Goblin
0: that he needs to get his shit together. and <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, and he's going to die if he doesn't get this sorted. Um,
1: he can't live any well, longer. <laughs> it, he's going to die if, she, if he gets it sorted in a way, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but he's got to get on with the important business of his own destiny. Yep. And she's there to just keep telling him about his destiny. Come on, hurry up. You've got to die. So stop hanging around.
1: Yeah, because something that is sort of like prolonging the whole story here is that when the goblin realized that uh, Untak actually is the goblin bride, he loves her in one way because he's falling in love with her. But he's also suddenly, I mean, he wanted to die, but suddenly he's like, Maybe I don't want to die and sort of struggles with the whole Okay, here she is, the person who can sort of like end my misery. But do I want to die? Suddenly my my life is coming to an end here. So he's sort of like trying to avoid her a little bit. Uh, But at the same time, he's drawn to her. So there's a big conflict and that sort of like prolongs the story a lot, I would say
0: yeah
1: it's really hard for him because he's probably never been in love either and so that's why i think Untak and the goblin uh, tends to argue a lot or sort of like a lot of things yeah bicker a lot of things and at one point during the heat of the moment he accidentally say that he is her boyfriend and i think that sort of hits home for the both of them a lot especially since the reaper is standing next to them and just looking at them and it's like what are you guys doing?
0: What are you guys doing? Yeah. Um, But uh, I think in a sense that that innocence that he has makes that controversy kind of disappear a little bit because we're we're effectively seeing two teenagers. Yeah, right. He's (laughs) a man in his late 30s, but he's got incredibly arrested development. He's never been in love. He's been a military general. He doesn't know about the ways of love and all of this kind of stuff but he he somehow knows that it's his destiny to be with her and so because of that he has to do two things one he's got to figure out how it's going to happen and two he's got to protect her because he can't die if she dies
1: first oh yeah suddenly uh, there is a lot of like accidents happening to her Um, and This is where actually Yuntak and the Reaper have a connection because the Reaper was supposed to sort of like bring her unborn uh, self to uh, the afterlife back when the goblin saved her. So since then he's been trying to find her so he can sort of like send her off because she's supposed to be dead according to his book and he has to do a lot of paperwork because she's still alive. And he hates that. He keeps always nagging about that. Um, and just if you get something wrong, yeah,
0: you get into really big trouble, I guess, with the afterlife people. Exactly. I mean, this this whole like thing about death, we've seen it a few times before, actually. Mm. We've seen Grim Reapers in K-dramas before. And they all seem to be fairly obsessed with bureaucracy and paperwork, so... Yeah. (laughs) Getting paperwork done is really important, but, you know, these weird accidents keep happening, and it's because the gods are gently pushing these two together so that, you know, he can... uh, uh, Kim Shin can finally achieve his, his destiny. Yeah. That thing that he was... Pretty much born to go through after 900 years of being immortal.
1: At one point, he actually decides that he is going to let her pull the sword before the first snow falls. Um, the only thing is because he is preparing everything for this moment, he's like giving presents to everyone because this is when he takes or says farewell to everyone. And as they are standing there and she's supposed to pull the sword her hands go straight through it it's like she can't grab the sword at all and both of them are very confused about it uh i mean no one knows exactly why this is happening and they can't really figure it out either um but Jung thinks that, oh, it's like a fairy tale. I've read about this in, in like, books. It's totally fine. I'll just kiss you and then I'll probably can pull the sword. So she kiss him and she can't pull the sword, but he is very surprised when that happens. And she's kind of embarrassed afterwards.
0: Something really sexual about that sword <laughs> in his body, by the way. All the way through, I've watched it and thought, hmm that's so strange
1: (laughs) what's more strange this is not related to the drama but at my workplace there are multiple guys who have that view or the sort of picture of the goblin with a sword through him as the avatar on the work slack I can't understand why (laughs) sorry totally off topic but this great goblin in real life, and I don't understand why. They, I, they, I don't think they know it's the goblin, but why do yeah. guys like this? But there's one great thing that comes out of the
0: midsection of this drama, and that's Jung Hyun. Oh yes. Oh,
1: <laughs> the first. we love him. It's the first love of uh, Yuntak, and I mean of all of us, right? I mean maybe not the first but everyone loves him don't we love him yeah and
0: i don't even think we're going to cover him in this first uh season of kissing without lips so we definitely have to do Mm -hmm. something that young hyun has been in because oh my god he's just just great he's amazing he's the only yeah i mean he, as you always say he's the only hot non-bad guy
1: (laughs) Well, he's just a hot, good guy. Him (laughs) uh, and Lanshan, I would say, is the two hot, good guys, right? Yeah. Um, He's just,
0: like, amazing in this. And uh, it really does sort of set the whole um, kind of love triangle thing up that you find a lot in K-dramas. It's, like, quite a trope. Yeah. But obviously, Goblin starts to get jealous and again, that pushes things along a little bit in their relationship because he sort of appreciates the fact that she is a human woman and, you know, people are going to want her. And if he doesn't do something about this, yep. she'll go. Uh,
1: I do love when they go on a date, though, to the movies, um, The Goblin and Juntak, and they're actually watching <laughs> the the zombie movie. 20%. It's hilarious because the goblin cannot watch it because he thinks it's really scary so he screams and uh, sort of like messes up all his popcorn everywhere and it's hilarious that he's watching his own movie. (laughs) Do we start to to
0: feel something for the Grim Reaper? Because apart from just him being the hottest guy on earth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't really feel anything for him we just kind of take him at face value and the fact that he is uh, you know big into Sunny and she's pretty into him they don't yeah. know how to communicate with each other bizarre. no
1: they're really hard at communicating
0: <laughs> basically they're all of us aren't they yeah want to. well
1: they're exceptionally bad or at least the Green Reaper is really bad because he since he doesn't have sort of like uh, any memories every time she asked him something about like because she doesn't know of course that he's a grim reaper she thinks he's human so she asks him regular stuff like what's your name uh, what's your phone number uh super regular stuff what's your religion and he have no clue and he is too awkward to actually come up with them on the spot so he's like just goes quiet and walks away most of the time which is hilarious but yeah it makes that whole sort of romance very very slow and also what i really sort of love about
0: him is oh god it really touched me like the first time he either went on a date with Sonny or he saw her and he cried
1: oh yeah oh no it was actually when when uh, when they met the first time they met remember with the right. ring that we talked about before yeah, yeah that's when he starts crying and he doesn't know why but he just starts sobbing uncontrollably it's very it's, interesting
0: it's beautiful when he cries as well i mean <laughs> it's just beautiful. beautiful end of story yeah <laughs> Um, if if this is like a gateway for you to to love everything about korean idols then take goblin as that thing because korean men in this drama particularly are sensational from start to finish that includes you know um doc Uh, as a character even if he is a fourth generation you can't help but absolutely love him he's so adorable and he's so young, he's the same age as Yun Tak in this Mm. and yet they are miles apart from each other again really establishing that sort of hierarchical order that they have in Korea Mm. of, of people and things you know we always say in the west don't we that Women mature faster than, than men, blah blah blah. But it's it's very, very true yeah. in this K drama because Doc Hoa's character, uh Docwa as a character, is is very mature mm. and he's probably the same age as Young Tak.
1: Yeah, I think he is like maybe one year older or something, so he's very similar in age. I think he has to call her... It, she has to call him old parson. Yeah, it could probably be. I remember he drives her to the school one day, so... In his flash car, yeah. yeah. She's super embarrassed about it, which is, I mean, <laughs> very typical. It <laughs> is, it is. We face a
0: bit of a problem with Hua though, sort of towards the, the final sort of quarter of, of Goblin, because he he takes on the the kind of spirit or aura or vibe of of one of the deities yeah
1: Uh, it's a breakthrough moment where he suddenly becomes quite evil he's he's sort of like i haven't really figured out if he's the, the the god is just sort of possessing his body because at some points he doesn't seem to be aware of it or uh, even uh, recognize the other god, the one in the red dress, uh, but at some points he is. So it's this weird back and forward with his character, which is very interesting.
0: But, but either way, he he's, he's able to trick yeah um, the goblin, you know, with his presence. Again, this is all going to to the fact that he's got to meet his destiny. Kim Shin yeah, and he's resisting it totally because he's having the best time with his new girlfriend and his new best friend.
1: Something also when it comes to uh, his destiny is that he knows that pulling the sword would um, end his existence but Yuntak doesn't know that and it, I think it's after she has tried to pull it the first time and she couldn't uh, that's when I think it's the Reaper who actually sort of like confesses to her that you, hey, you know when you pull, what's happening when you're pulling the sword, it's actually, he's actually going to disappear. So it's not going to be a happy ending for you guys like she thought. And that sort of like um, triggers her to be like, holy hell, I almost killed him. If I could have grabbed the sword, I would have killed him. And I mean, then we would have a, I don't know, like half the size of the drama, right? But yeah, so at that point, this is also when we actually uh, get to see Dokwa in his, or whatever possesses his body in his um, sort of like God form, because she runs away when she hears this because she doesn't not want to sort of kill the person that she is falling in love with. Um, and the person who finds her, which we actually found out a little bit later, is Dockwa's god form. <laughs> he's, he's he's a white uh, butterfly, pretty much. He, it takes the shape of a white butterfly. And it's a white butterfly, um, early in the beginning of the drama also, that sits on the sword uh, when the general becomes the goblin. So... Yeah. It's, it's sort of like the symbolism that goes through the whole drama.
0: Isn't it lovely? Yeah, I love that. I know. And then we get to sort of the end of Act 2. And the end of Act 2 is really the time that we have to say goodbye to Goblin.
1: Yeah. Well, something that shows up here, it, suddenly here at this point is where the drama takes a very interesting turn because suddenly the really evil um, advisor to the king um, back in the day, he shows up as an evil demon. You didn't see that one coming probably, but yeah, he shows up and suddenly is a different threat to the whole situation. It's kind of interesting how they suddenly uh, (laughs) sort of, the whole situation yeah, drama story just takes a turn, and there's a lot of focus now on the the demon, and yeah, he's threatening Yuntak pretty much. So they've got to
0: kill him. They've got to get yes. rid of him. So in doing so, Goblin unfortunately gets the sword pulled at the same time.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how, how detailed we should talk about this, or let the, the listeners actually see it for themselves. But at this point, um, the, the sword gets pulled from his body, and that's how they can defeat the demon. But it also has the unfortunate consequence that he suddenly disappears.
0: There's a lot of a lot of grief, and we discover that. Yuntak, the Reaper, Sunny and Yuntak are still friends, the Reaper lives a separate life. And it's Yuntak's birthday. Yeah. And she's like a woman now, properly. Um lots of things have happened. Everybody's grown up. They've moved on in their life. Yeah. And she she blows out a birthday cake candle. And, and guess who appears
1: <laughs> and this is this is the part that I'm not really sure what is actually happening during those nine years we see the goblin crawling through what looks like a desert of snow yeah and then that's suddenly, what we had to do yeah <laughs> apparently and then suddenly he shows up again next to yuntak but in his clothes from like the gorrio area so the Cool, yeah. awesome, black leather stuff. Yeah, but it it's like, how did, how, why? Um, this is where I'm confused. Oh, I'm not because he asked. He asked the gods. He begged the gods while he was in the. Yeah, but why did they suddenly switch his clothes? <laughs> oh, yeah. It was also the reason why I came back had something to do with a contract that, uh, yuntak and him signed, right? And that convinces the God. But I still don't understand why he switched his clothes while he was... <laughs> 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 and me again with the stupid details. Well, I think
0: the Reaper answers this pretty early on in uh, Goblin because everybody, he says, that goes to their death, they have to do like a few things. First of all, they drink the tea hmm. to forget their life. And then the second thing that happens is they revert back to who they were. Yeah. They effectively go back to like who they were. So it's no matter if you are like a rich fourth generation chable, if you die, you go back to being what you were born with. So you could be penniless. You might just be wearing the clothes that you you know stand up in or whatever Mm. and then the third thing that he says and this comes up in quite a lot of K-dramas that are associated with death is that you have to walk across a bridge um, and it takes seven years to walk across it and you don't mind doing it because you don't know about existence so it's just something that you have to do the problem with the 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 Goblin's character is he walks across the bridge and he goes everybody is obviously very distraught on earth but he goes not knowing but feeling something because he's 900 years old you can't just leave and Mm. not have like any sort of particular feeling but he finds himself completely in limbo because he's a god or a demigod and he can't just ascend to heaven yeah because there's still shit that he's got to figure out on, on Earth. And so him being in that desert effectively is limbo. If you remember like right at the beginning when we see the flashback to him in the Guerrillo times where uh, he he is comforted by a small boy mm. who is his servant, he is literally wearing effectively the same clothes. Yeah. as what happened then. So he's, he, no time has passed effectively. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and so when he goes back to Earth, everybody instantly thinks that he's from a film set. Don't like because there's nearby or something.
1: Yeah, Yuntak is like just sort of like, no, this is not real. Uh, you're you're just sort of pulling my leg here. Uh, but yeah. the fun part is that. Here you are like as a drama watcher and you're like nine years later and he suddenly shows up when she blows out the candle. It's gonna be happily ever after. But hey, we're just on episode fourteen out of sixteen. Yeah. And this is I'm I must say I'm not the biggest fan of this ending because it's again, it's just takes forever. The last three episodes are a Kind of a mess for me, I would say. I would have. They're a... trying
0: to pack in too much, yeah. aren't they, into, into it? So, yeah. To, because... I'm a little bit disappointed at the end. You um... no, I mean, no, it's, you explain it right because it is annoying that you can't get yeah. to the ending kind of that you want because you still have to go through the process of finding out what's happened in the last nine years. Well, God, for me to explain to you, if I haven't seen you for nine years, what's happened?
1: Well, that's that's the thing. In a normal drama, you would have like the gap or the time gap, and then they get together and they live happily ever after. But not in Goblin. In Goblin, there are more twists and turns in the three episodes than it was in a lot of the previous ones that were just drawn out. I mean i'm not sure if we should reveal the ending um, or if we should let people discover the kind of messy ending that is <laughs> or if you want me to do that should i do the super quick and fast one sort of like pull the bandage off and let everyone sort of get really what just happened yes please so <laughs> he comes back she kind of doesn't remember or doesn't want to remember and everyone is very awkward and there is like this tension and suddenly sunny and the reaper and everyone starts interacting with each other again which they didn't have done for nine years yuntak and goblin finally gets closer they kiss and they love each other he even proposes and then she dies And then time goes on, and Sunny dies. So, no happy ending for neither couple. And then... uh, (laughs) Reaper is following Sunny to heaven and disappear, and Goblin is left alone again. And then, after all that, then they all get reborn and find each other in the last few minutes of the last episodes. It's like you couldn't have made it a little bit easier and maybe a little bit happier it's the most confusing ending of a drama ever cool well, endings have to be happy do they no but at least not this i mean do they actually have to sort of first be away from each other and then struggle to get back and then die suddenly. That, I mean, the whole thing that everyone dies before they get together again, that's that's kind of annoying. And it all happens in the last episode. It's like, stop it. <laughs> Make the last episode not so dramatic or sort of like... It gets a little bit boring when they just sort of like... it's uh, yeah it's it's there isn't any sort of like excitement or any thing they just go through it so fast because in one episode in one hour everyone dies and everyone comes back to life and it's like what just happened why did i watch all the other 15 episodes the the other 15 episodes are the good ones and then the last one is like ah i'm not selling this drama good at all right (laughs)
0: whether they were given 20 episodes though and they they sort of said no we can do it in yeah. 16 <laughs> it sure sounds like it or it feels it like does it does feel like it yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think that so I, I suppose to wrap this up my personal opinion of this is that I love it but I'm nostalgic about it yeah yeah i mean for for me although it is like one of the classics it is like so essential that you must watch goblin um i can't help but feel a little bit like to be honest it is you know quite a few episodes too long
1: yeah i've I've seen the whole drama three times now the first two times were like uh and just after each other but by now i'm like i'm totally fine with just watching the first 13 episodes and then be done with it and just skip the ending there is
0: a a a show that you and i have both watched called coffee and vanilla Mm. and i can only bring myself to watch the first four episodes because
1: everything else is shit. yeah well i mean if we're gonna talk about this kind of stuff Oh, uh, we—I don't think we're actually covering this one either. But uh, Meteor Garden, the Chinese drama. Oh, for God's sake! Just stop after twenty-four episodes. Do not watch the rest. The rest is just agony. Shit. Half the drama nice. is agony. The first half is awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first, like, however many... Episodes, right up to the part where they go to London and meet your garden. Yep. When you see that they've landed in London, press stop on your device. <laughs> <laughs> and go and do something else. Yep. <laughs> I was the same with coffee and vanilla. Yep. The moment that that fight breaks out in that dressing room <laughs> and uh, that... That silly girl gets pinned to the wall by that ridiculous bad guy. <laughs> I didn't understand.
1: It. That's the part where I just sort of said, "Okay, right." So I, I've had enough. Yeah, I've had enough. We, you should pretty much have uh, changed the name of this episode to be sort of like us ranting about really bad endings. <laughs> we should call it "Really Bad Endings." Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: So some fab facts that I managed to pull out of my ass regarding this show (laughs) there are are quite a lot actually you would be so surprised the the top like fab fact is is about the controversy which we've already spoken about yeah the age difference Um, the age difference was like a real big sort of problem uh, and that especially for the west is something that uh, we don't really want to you know certainly the netizens were not too into the idea too much but one thing that I discovered me with my current hat on in my day job I discovered that the style of what everybody was wearing in Goblin kind of catapulted a lot of brands in Korea into the public awareness you know big luxury labels that do huge like cashmere Pullovers. I mean, I think that Gong Yu wore a different cashmere jumper sweater yeah. in every single episode, and it was all Lam Van. And this is a, a very kind of high fashion label. These things are very expensive, these items. And it kick-started an entire style experience across Korea where now everybody were, all the men were demanding oh we must wear a cashmere polo jumper we all want to look like Gong Yu, and all the women were like oh I really want this Lavan cardigan I really want to look like this so it ended up impacting massively on that year's Korean fashion week and so hmm. so that was quite good this has happened a few times in some dramas that we've seen Dex because I mean also the product all, also Product placement. The product placement—that yeah. was a, another thing that I was going to say—that was hilarious. <laughs> it is mad
1: in in uh, Goblin because it is so obvious. Well, it's not one of the worst one, but it. Uh, no, but it's, it's one of the first one that I noticed how big it is, because I mean, coming from the West, you're used to every company that you see in like a TV series is usually made up. It's not a real. Uh, but here is like iLoom. I'm like, when I came to Singapore, I was like, oh, they have an iLoom, I need to go there because it's Goblin, it's like stupid things. But Korea is very good at just making people sort of buy stuff because of what they see in dramas.
0: The thing that got me though, when I watched it the first time, was the goddamn amount of bloody Subway
1: yeah and it comes in every drama nowadays i mean everyone oh, i mean even in in uh, uh crash landing on you they were at subway a few times
0: yeah but it's it's ubiquitous in this This an olive garden barbecue yeah. uh chicken which is also in crash landing on you as well isn't it so they obviously saw some things that they really liked makeup it's happened before actually in uh in in um, Korean Odyssey particularly, Mrs. Ma, she has got the most beautiful lips. And in Korean Odyssey, she was wearing MAC cosmetics, I believe. But in this one, she was wearing uh, Lanaik which is a, a makeup brand um, based in, in Asia. And they got 995000 US dollars equivalent in profit from the lipstick. The lipstick being used as a product oh, placement wow. in 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 the uh, Goblin, and then later by Song Hyukyo Kyo in uh, Descendants of the Sun. Mm. Enough, enough, about that. Um, and then mm. the the other bit of fab fact about a <laughs> uh, product placement was there's a spot uh, in Korea called um, Jumunjin Beach. And it's got a huge tourist zone because a scene from Goblin was shot there. Presumably, it's one of the scenes that we mentioned today. And and social media photos have showed lines of visitors waiting to pose for photos in that spot.
1: Oh, so it's the it's the sort of like the area of stands in the middle of the ocean kind of thing.
0: And he appears,
1: yeah, the pier, and he appears there. They are there like at least twice, I think, in the drama. So. Or they have two different scenes there. But, but here's the big
0: fat kicker. Yep. Um, merchants set up shop next to this spot. And they put up signposts that read, muffler, flower and umbrella can be rented for 1,000 more. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> people could hire it to wear it and then have their photo taken. <laughs> of course. To create the exact scene captured on TV, which... We know, because you and me have watched that amazing Taiwanese drama, uh, Lost Romance. And in Lost Romance, they actually play out in a montage a series of scenes from well-known K-dramas. And one of them is Goblin.
1: Oh, yes. So we know that it's popular. Yeah, there's some fab facts for you. What do you think? Awesome. I I actually have one that isn't really a fab fact, but it's sort of like something that I noticed the third time when I watched this drama and I didn't notice it the first two times which is kind of hilarious and now I just have to see if you uh, had noticed it but in the first few minutes of the first episodes it's all black and white with only red uh, colors showing have you noticed that? i did not do it the two first times how did i not do it the two first times and then suddenly now when i rewatched it for the podcast i was like what (laughs) am i that blind?" yeah but i wonder whether it's saying that everything's in black and white until she comes to him you know and the red really well it's it's when we see the it's when we see um Yuntak's mom talked to the old lady, for example, then everything is just grayscale and and just red showing. I wonder what's the symbolism is there? Why they have decided to do that in that scene?
0: Because I, I think, you know, that um, she, Yuntak, is a, her being born is a really important thing for the entire story yeah but also the red is pretty significant to the deity to the grandma and... yeah
1: i mean the grandma do have a red dress later on but she just like that scene that has this grayscale and nothing else yeah it's really lovely but i'm sort of like overanalyzing everything like i always do and i'm like can't figure out why they have to that scene and why they have picked that i mean i loved the way it looks and i totally would have wanted more of it but i yeah get about After that a time though and i think yeah. that is
0: that is why <laughs> we probably don't recognize it when we first watch it to be
1: honest mm. true i've really enjoyed it yeah Um uh, me too as long as yeah you skip the ending as I long as like you the, skip
0: the I like this <laughs> one. <laughs> now, let's just talk about what happened to the characters after um, uh, Goblin. Uh, I guess it's fair to say that Gong Yu has still got a pretty amazing, dazzling cinematic career. And so also does Lee Dong Uk. He is still a, an immense supermodel. He's still an incredible actor, but he also has a chat show on Korean television where he often invites uh, Gong Yoo to come and talk and they have a bit of fun together. Together, I think, it it just uh, plays out all of our our fantasies. But he also invites you and Na. And at the end, actually, of Goblin, we see a really nice kind of... P- potential spin-off series of Lee Dong-uk and In Na as like a, an actress and a detective or something.
1: Yeah, and they actually did a spin-off drama. I have not watched it myself, so I can't say if it's... I actually did start it, but it was too annoying so I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but after like one episode so i mean don't judge it i probably didn't give it enough of a chance but yeah they didn't make a spin-off uh drama for those two just because the chemistry between them mm. are so amazing so
0: kim go un has had uh, an interesting rise to fame as well we all remember her as being Tak in goblin mm. But actually she then went and took on a really meaty role. She did other stuff in between, but then she did Eternal Monarch. Yeah. And that was I'm...
1: big. Yeah, it's big. I haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers. You haven't seen it yet? Nope. Uh okay. I'll I'll
0: talk to you about it offline. <laughs> <laughs> another one to
1: avoid do, do you know how big my to watch list is at this yes, moment yes I do I've known you for quite some time
0: uh, yeah so um, th- there yeah. we go that's Goblin in a nutshell and yeah, loved it like every single second of it I thought was amazing apart from as you say those last like couple of episodes Yeah. Now, what
1: how do we kind of top that i mean what's coming up next week well next week we are going to watch something that kind of shook uh korea a little bit uh, because it's not your typical drama but it's an amazing drama and it's called Itawan class and it's the reason why it shook uh, korea is because they do tend to sort of touch on some subjects that are not usually touched on in, in because it's not your typical romance drama, I would say. I don't want to go into anything because it's coming up next week. So excited. Yeah. that.
0: I mean, I've said this like every week, but we just keep going from strength to strength, I think. We've picked out possibly the best K-dramas that are just total classics and itty-one classes without question, up there with yeah. the rest of these. It's amazing. So, thank you very much for today, Dex. Thank you. And thank you for everyone for listening. Mm. And um, you can actually follow us on Twitter if you want to, because we got our asses in gear and got ourselves a, a little Twitter handle, and it's just at KWL underscore podcast. And you can follow us there and keep up with the latest and greatest. And don't forget that you can download this podcast and all of the other episodes that we've done so far in the season wherever good pods are casted. So thank you very much for your time and see you next week. See you next week.